Obviously. On the prompt. I didn't know you could listen to a podcast during a dental procedure. Yeah, so what's the dentist listening to? Welcome to the prompt. A weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is April 16th, 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. This is episode number 44. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined today by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. How are you? I am very well. How are you, sir? Doing well. And is there a Mr. Stephen Hackett waiting in the corner? You tell me. Hello, buddy. Hey. How you doing? Hi, Stephen. Hey, guys. Do-do-do-do. <laughs> It's good to be here. Yep. In the uh the bus stop of the prompt. If the prompt were a physical location, what sort of place would it be? What would it be? Yeah, I thought about this, you know. I think my guess it would be like an Italian restaurant after every customer has left and we're like talking and like sipping grappa, that sort of thing. Oh, I like that. I was thinking like a boarding school dormitory. <laughs> now you have to think of something incredibly American. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we've talked about hot tubs a lot. Oh, hot tubs so American? Maybe, so maybe the prompt is, we're all in a hot tub, um, and Matt Alexander is our butler. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I wonder where hot tubs originated. Uh, we should, uh, look that up on Wikipedia when I start the follow-up. Well, hot tubs aren't yeah. follow-up, are they? So. Well, we're gonna circle back. Well, I think, well, Wikipedia says places like the Roman Empire, Japan. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Roman Empire is in Britain, so that's fine. So now we can do the follow-up. Is that right? So now? We're doing it now? Yep. Follow-up. Okay, so uh, Carousel, which we spoke about uh, last week. It's hard to believe it's only been a week. Um, Federico, you uh, wrote a piece about it after the show, kind of, you know, after spending some more time with it. I was going to ask you guys, like, is it still on your phone? Are you, are you using it? Are you just kind of going to wait and see? Like, So here's an interesting thing that happened to me. So I needed to find an image of something that happened a year ago, and it was easily the quickest way for me to find it. Yeah. Like, And, and it was like, I, was, I opened my Dropbox app, started to try and find the image. I was like, oh, man, I, I have a rough idea when it was, but I can't find it. But then able, being able to scroll through all of my images without going into individual folders... Um, it actually worked pretty well for that. I was quite happy. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's definitely the strength of the design for sure. Yeah, because it's made like for. I'm going to say normal people, but not in a in a negative way. I mean, it's so like easy to to scroll through the years and just see the events and the days and the locations. And for me, I wanted to keep the app. But what I wanted to do is not possible right now because I wanted to disable the uploads and just to use it as a photo viewer for my account. But if you disable the uploads um, for Carousel, you cannot use the app. It, it, it just is like a screen that tells you you should enable uploads. And I'm like, no, I don't want to enable uploads. I just want to browse. So <laughs> I know I should, but you know, I'm a, I like to, to live my life on the fast lane. And so uh, I, I only wanted to, to, to try the, the photo viewer stuff. And I couldn't because I like to keep my uploads in camera sync. And so, yeah, I had to delete the app and I'm waiting for an update because I don't want to be forced to, you know, to upload everything, especially screenshots. I just want to, to use another app for the uploads until 
carousel gets more options. Um, but yeah, I mean, the viewing photos, and, and I talked about this with other people too, it's just so easy to, to scroll through and yeah, it's just, you know, I'm waiting for more settings, more options, like I wrote in the article, which by the way, I was working on before last week's episode. It's not like, like I betrayed you guys. Yeah. I was writing and then you called me because you wanted to talk to me. And and, <laughs> and because we did the show the same time every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, we don't we don't have a show. We just me and Steven are just there. We just call Federico. It's, it's it, everything we keep everything everything so casual between us. So yeah. Casually recording podcasts, you know. Yeah. So um Yeah, I mean I agree with you guys. I I want this thing to have more options, more flexibility, and I think they'll get there, you know. Mike, does it still make you like sick when you when you scroll? I really don't like scrolling through it. It moves. You know to, that, it just moves that too I fast. Read... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, that's it. I just feel like it moves too fast. Mm. You know, I read on on Wired on an article, uh, an interview with a with a carousel guy, uh, Gentry Underwood from Dropbox, and they basically build these. Uh, this thumbnail engine to when you scroll through carousel basically the app generates different kinds of thumbnail previews so depending on the speed that you that you scroll on the screen it it the app loads like on the fly a different kind of thumbnail so it could be like higher resolution or lower resolution so maybe that's what like catches your attention when you scroll quickly maybe you see i don't know I get the point. I just I I don't see the issue myself, but I know what you mean. Gentry Underwood was the guy behind Mailbox, right? Yes. Yes. He he, he worked on Carousel as well as Mailbox. He's a busy guy. Yeah. I want to try Mailbox too, but you know, uh, not a Gmail user, and my iCloud account is not so useful. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. So up next, we have the Jonathan Ive versus Greg Christie. So Versus the world? Jonathan versus versus uh, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> versus the prompt. Versus the world's greatest prompt. If we were a superhero, what superhero powers would we have as a show? Mike, Mike would be Robin. Why? <laughs> Under what circumstances do you have to claim that I would be the sidekick? Yeah. Well, I would be Batman, for sure. What? Hang on, you're Batman and I'm Robin. Oh, God, who, I'm not the <laughs> penguin guy, am I? I think you're Batgirl. No, Steven is like Spider-Man. Hang on a minute. Why I does Steven get to be Spider-Man, but I have to be a sidekick? This is, this is <laughs> no. really this is an insight into the way that you guys treat me, I think. Okay, you get to be just just to mess with you, Mike. You get to be Captain America. I mean, I would take that. I, I like <laughs> Captain America. It's better than being Rob, the, the teenage boy wonder. <laughs> so Greg Christie uh, was um, a senior vice president, not senior vice president. He was a design guy at Apple. Reported to SVP um, Jonathan Ive. And, you know, 9 to 5 said there was a lot of drama that I've maybe forced him out. Uh, John Gruber and uh, Matthew Panzerino both deny that and say, you know, that what they've heard. Um, so is... now there's drama among bloggers. 
Yes, it's it's uh, okay. it's blogger. It's just uh, blogger on blogger hate crimes. <laughs> um, and so you know, who cares? I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> I actually went back and listened, you know, last week's episode, and like, it's interesting to think what what could happen. But um, you know, according to Gruber, this guy has been at Apple for you know like almost twenty years and is just ready to retire. So if that's all it is, that's great. Um, again, we'll probably never know. I don't know, guys. Usually, nine to five Mac has been pretty reliable uh, with rumors in the past year, past two years. Like last year, they had full leaks of iOS seven the day before the announcement. Yeah, but that's different uh, than like knowing like the political landscape inside Apple. I think that's where Gruber would win. And in, in my, you know, we talked last week about uh, Mac bloggers like fighting for WWC tickets in some sort of cage match situation. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to like sources and content, I think Gruber wins for that sort of, uh, you know, just knowing actual people. Or you, you know, yes, like Mark and those guys get a lot of stuff right, but um, I feel like there's more finesse to it than what they're used to handling. Yeah, I mean, like there could be elements of the truth, and then if you imagine a Chinese whispers like situation, like the guys at nine to five could have been told that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the person that gave them that information was high up enough to know it was the truth. Does that make sense? Like, if you imagine internal politics in a company, it could have been like, oh, you know, as it's got gone through and, and like played the telephone game, it's just filtered down to the point where it, this person who has told those guys believes it. But if if you imagine that the hierarchy of sources in this in the same way like the hierarchy of the the the, the reporters, right? Then you would imagine that Gruber has a higher level of influence with higher up people. I don't I don't know, guys. This I think that really the circumstances the circumstances are not really important. What matters is that this guy used to like he worked on the original iPhone interfaces, and now he's going to retire. So does it mean? There's going to be another, another like, another designer with the same skills and with the same understanding of touch interfaces and you know uh, iOS design. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I think that since 2007 to now, Apple have at least a few. Like, and I, I say that like flippantly, but yeah, but this guy. I mean, yeah, he guy, was like, like first. He came up with a bunch of stuff, but yeah, since then. You know, you're going to have people that come up with really incredible things that we don't know about that are still continuing to advance iOS in new ways. Like, yeah, I, I hope so. It doesn't, it doesn't worry me so much, um, really, to think that, okay, there was this guy that, that was now gone. It doesn't worry you because you, you can always switch to Android, Mike. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> the, the pa- I have the power in my own hands in this in this scenario. I could even Robin go, doesn't really have any powers. I, I could even go to, to Windows Phone if I wanted to. Mm. No oh, one yeah? can stop me, Federico, including you. No, no. Actually, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I would like to try Cortana. So would I. Because it sounds like everything that I want Siri to be with, uh, with the text input and with the with the dashboard that you can customize the kind of content that you see when you open the assistant. Like you can see the weather, you can see traffic information, you can see the news. And news and it, of like the actual reviews of eight point one has still been quite positive about Cortana. Yeah, and it's just like it's really a beta because it's a developer release, so it's not like Apple beta that. The Siri beta used to ship on a, on a public OS update. This is an actual beta, so 
yeah, I would like it's to out try. Out now, Federico. It's out now to, to the public. Yeah, it's, it's public. Windows Phone 8.1 is out to the public. It came out like yes. a couple of days ago. Oh, so it's not a developer seed. No, but it, they are still classing it as a as a beta, a beta though. Oh, so they do the beta too. Oh, okay. I guess that's how companies work nowadays. They just do public betas. Okay. I I think for something Apple like did it voice, with Siri for like two years. Yeah, I, th- I think for something like voice technology, it does make sense because they're kind of it can't be ready until you've had it out for a while, collecting accents and stuff. I mean, I, for something like this, I do get it, but maybe I'm being overkind. But I don't know. To me, the 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 you know the beta terminology just seems like a kind of nerdy programming uh, wording and uh, just feels weird to see people saying I have the beta, I have the public beta, I don't know, maybe that's just me they're in on, they're on, they're in on something before everybody else you wouldn't understand Federico because you, you live in betas yeah but I'm not, I'm not a normal human being exactly, to us, to us regular people we don't get betas they're really exciting to us and that's why i find it strange when companies do betas because it doesn't seem like anyway steven yes more oh we have more follow-up we have a lot more follow-up um so last week we uh, shared the story of listener ken who we heard from this week he's doing well um yeah. but we have uh, a, a collection of tweets here uh from people who are sharing with us how they listen to the show so uh, the first, um, uh, Amir, Amir, I'm gonna say Amir, Amir, uh, sent uh, a picture. He's listening on an iPad uh, while doing uh, some uh, schoolwork. It looks like some studying, uh, writing a paper or something. So, which I I found I find this one impressive because I don't know about you guys, um, but like Federico, can you listen to a podcast while you write? Not the English ones, no. Because I need yeah. to focus when I listen to an English podcast. I can do some work when I listen to an Italian one because it's like like TV. It's in the background. But yeah. when I listen to, especially for me, when I listen to an English one, it's like it's like a task. I need to be focused on listening. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can. I can't listen to a podcast whilst I write, but I can listen whilst doing other work, including recording other podcasts. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to ATP right now. Yeah. Um, I uh, I definitely cannot listen to podcasts and do any sort of work. Like I can do like chores, like you know, like wash dishes or mow the oh, grass yeah. or something. But like if I'm sitting down and writing an article, or even if I'm reading, I cannot. Oh yeah, I will. Either, I will be doing one or the other. I will not be doing both. So can you can you guys do like music and reading? Um, I I I'm getting better at that. Yeah, I can also yeah, do music. Yeah, it depends and on the article now. for me. Like if it's like a, like I don't know some video game news, like lightweight content, I can I can listen to music and and, and read. If it's serious stuff, problem. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, the next one is from uh, man, the names this week are hard. Uh, is Jer Jer Gonzalez. And he yes. says that, um, <laughs> I swear I was listening to the show and got a flat tire. What is it with you guys? This is all Mike's fault. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's all Mike's. He's been doing these weird tricks on people and people, iPhones and, um, yeah, Mike. And now they're, now they're cars. Now cars too. <laughs> I basically just ruin lives on a, 
on a daily and weekly basis. I mean, yeah, yeah you know, that's what we that's should why be taking sponsorship. We should be taking sponsorships from life insurance companies <laughs> because that seems like the sort of thing that would be appropriate with the show. It's not a bad <laughs> idea. I'll get on that. Um, this episode is brought to you by. <laughs> yeah. So the, the next one is from uh, Ken. Not. I don't think the same can who had the dental work, but uh, who listens while making um, pottery, which is really cool. Like this picture has uh, a bunch of equipment in the background and some uh, big bowls that they've made, which look awesome. And um, appreciate so, yeah. Ken's dedication to using a dock. It is definitely like a like a ancient <laughs> iPod dock with a thirty pin to lightning connector, and it looks like an iPod Touch. You know, uh, this photo so, made me think of the. You guys familiar with the ghost movie? Yep. Like the scene oh, when. <laughs> Federico, stop. <laughs> Just, but instead of that music, listening to Mike. <laughs> um. Yeah, if you if you feel someone coming behind you while you're throwing clay, it's just Federico. Uh. If people want to see these images, Federico, where did I go to find them? What? Where, where are our images? show notes? Um, uh, they can go to 5by5.tv slash um, prompt. No, without, without there, just prompt. Slash again, 44. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Pioneer um, says they're bringing CarPlay to aftermarket systems. Yep. So this is official. Sort of. There's, there's some fine print with this. Do you guys read do you read the article? Yeah, I never read fine prints. <laughs> no, I, 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 we, are, we actually have the article on Mac stories too. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> please, please fact check this. In my defense, in my defense, I didn't write it, and I was busy today, so I'm going to catch up with my own site later. Uh, our, so. our link is to the Verge, so sorry. Yeah. Uh, we can change. No well, the Verge, so, the Verge um, did their work on the article. Federico's site did not. It would appear. Yeah. Sorry, so Federico. Pioneer makes audio equipment. Um, actually, I have a Pioneer head unit in my car right now. Right now, the car I own has a Pioneer head unit. I don't change the head unit out based on season or anything. Um, they say that uh, some of their uh, NEX series of receivers, which are apparently crazy expensive, uh, will CarPlay will be coming to them. Um, through a firmware update, which is really interesting. Um, and that they will begin selling aftermarket receivers with them out of the box. Um, like again, like a, it's super exciting. This is coming, even though it's really on the high end, seven to $1,400 is way more than I'm going to spend on a head unit, but it's interesting to see it starting to trickle out. And, you know, like, isn't it weird to think you guys are like an Apple platform, like Apple software is coming to a device after a firmware update. Like it's so weird for a company that really likes to retain hardware control to be doing this. It's just all strange. The whole, this whole CarPlay thing is just so weird to me. Yeah. And the strangest part, I still believe it's the, like the way that the CarPlay shows up on these uh, other companies software with Apple CarPlay. Like, not just CarPlay, Apple CarPlay. Just sounds so, uh, seems so, I don't know, ugly to see on the screen. Like, Apple CarPlay. It's just so, I don't know. It, it's like when you find on, on the web Apple iOS. You know, it's just not right. Or 
yeah. saying iPad without the. Oh god, yeah. Welcome to iPad. Yeah, I mean Apple does that. It, it's definitely weird. I think, I think the biggest thing to me is just um, the the openness of it. it. Again, like giant air quotes, right? Like I'm sure Pioneer has Apple's blessing here, but Apple working with a lot of partners to deliver this in a lot of different ways. Um, but I mean, hey, if it's you know if it's reasonably priced, like not seven hundred dollars, but a lot less, like I would definitely jump on this and and put something like this in my card. Very little hesitation. What else do we have? So this, I almost made this a topic, but I think it's follow up because we talked about WWDC and how I hate saying it on podcasts. Um, I think you should call it dub dub. Yeah, you should definitely call it dub dub. Federico, you out, out, out of the hot tub. It's, it's the hip way to say it. Uh, so, I hear all the cool guys say "dub dub." So the Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, uh, obviously with the lottery system, you know, we talk about this. Not everybody gets in who should be able to get in. There are people whose jobs depend on who don't get to go. There's definitely people who are going who maybe, to Mike's point last week, maybe wouldn't go otherwise, like because there was a lottery, they were given the opportunity to do it, or you know, they were sort of meandered their way in the last minute. Um, a lot of this feedback is based on a, an email exchange, actually, that I had today with a listener, um, uh, Enrique. But uh, I saw some tweets about this, too. And I, I want to clear something up that we said and then kind of go from there. So Mike and I went last year, but n- none of us, um, Federico, myself, or Robin there, um, <laughs> none of us put our name in to get a ticket to go to the conference. Um because we're not developers, and and so that that kind of raises the question of, you know, more or less, the three of us like in this realm are press. Um, you know, Federico, obviously, you make a living at this. Mike and I don't, but you know, we cover Apple and the community around Apple on our respective sites, and of course, this podcast. Um, and so we're not developers. We're press. I mean, we're closer to press than developers. And you know, that kind of raises the question of of press and WWDC. So, of course, Apple has their big keynote uh, this year. It's um, usually it's on Mondays, right? So it'd be um, June second, um, which is my wedding anniversary. It's fine. Um, Apple. So that keynote is open to people who have WWDC tickets. Um, and it's also open. They have a large section for press. So they invite The Verge, Engadget, you know, TechCrunch, whoever, Recode. Um, not basically, you know, these sort of press entities to come and cover the keynote. And then they, they can't be there anymore. Their press pass is only good for the keynote itself. And so that's, uh, you know, obviously not everyone... Like, none of the three of us got a press invite from Apple. I doubt we ever would. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, mate. They could still come. Yeah. Um, the second lottery round round of press tickets. Um, but they're, they're definitely press people, and this was kind of in our email back and forth today. There are definitely people in the press who, in the past, or maybe even this year, have a developer ticket to go to WWDC. Um. And that's a little problematic. And so uh, uh, the way I kind of view it, and maybe Federico, you could you could talk about this too in a second. 
Um, I, I, I have a developer account. I pay out of my own pocket for a Mac and iOS developer account every year. Part of that is to run Mac OS 10 beta for the, for the reviews that I write. Um, part of it is it's just, it's good to have that sort of technical information at your fingertips. But everything that happens at WWDC that's not in that keynote, including a massive keynote that afternoon or the next morning called State of the Union, um, which if you're a developer and you don't watch any other video coming out of the conference, that's the one to watch. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of those those videos as they come out. And like we said last week, they come out in a much more timely basis. But I can't report on what's in those videos, right? So if Apple says in the State of the Union that they're creating an iWatch, and that's not in the public keynote, that's not news that I can report on because I have a non-disclosure agreement as part of my paid Apple developer account. And so I watch a lot of the videos and I read a lot of the stuff, partially because I'm interested in it, partially because it's good to have an understanding of what's going on. Um, to John Syracuse's point last week uh, on AATP, um, that's fine, but there's a lot to be said to be in the room when that sort of stuff goes on, which is why he likes to get a ticket. He's not a, a developer on Apple's platforms necessarily, but for what he does at Ars Technica, it's good to kind of get the vibe in the room. And so it's it's very sort of gray area there in the middle when it comes to press and WWDC DC tickets. Mike and I are not clogging up a ticket going uh, to the conference. Uh, we're going as just ourselves, and we're just going to happen to be in San Francisco that week with everybody else. Um, so I, don't, I mean, Federico, I mean, do, do you have developer accounts? Do you watch the videos? Kind of what? How do you approach that at Mac Stories? Uh, well, uh, a few years ago, I used to report on betas and rumors and. It's been three years now, years now that I do all the actual news on, and uh, I cover iOS and OS X when, when they actually come out for everyone. So what I do is I use my iOS and OS X developer accounts to try the betas, to just keep them for myself, to take notes. I watch the session videos. I watch the State of the Union every year because that's a nice introduction. Then I just go through the sessions that uh, that I find interesting for me and um, but yeah I, I, personally I get the argument why because everybody can register as a developer and you don't have to make an app or, or to make multiple apps to have a developer account so there are some people that say because everybody can just give Apple the money and become a registered developer you can do the same for a WWDC ticket. And maybe logically that makes sense, but just the way I see it, like on... Um, I just think that in, it's fair to to leave my, my ticket to somebody else who doesn't need to try the beta for his blog, just for his blog. Uh, I prefer to, you know, to, to wait for my session videos and... And to leave my, you know, my spot to 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 a young developer or to uh, to a developer team. Now I know that I said that Syracuse should get a ticket, and for me that would be the exception, because even if John doesn't 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 make iOS apps or Mac apps, even though he's a developer uh, by trade, I guess um, for me that's the exception because. The service that he provides with uh, with his uh, OS 10 reviews at, at Hearst Technica—that's just 
invaluable, in my opinion. So that would be my exception to the rule. But personally, I just think, as a, like as a common courtesy to other developers, I leave my place to somebody else. Does that make sense to you guys? It totally does. Um, you know, I think I think that's kind of the best way you you can handle it. You know, pay pay the money, read, watch the stuff when it's public, talk about it. You know, in an informed way. I think it's the best we can do. Yeah, because I and I told you guys so many times. Um, I used to write all the rumors, all the leaked screenshots and that sort of stuff. I was younger, so maybe that's a point in my defense. Um, now that I look back at those articles, and when you see, like, it doesn't make much sense looking back. Beta 1, there's uh, this feature. Beta 2, oh, this feature is gone. Beta 3, this feature is back. So, uh, looking back, uh, do I want to to basically confuse my readers no. Uh, is it better for the page views? Uh, let me tell you, it's insane for the page views. People love to see beta stuff. Whatever there's a there's a public beta, uh, which is a like, like the reader public beta, right? Or when Tweetbot for Mac came out as a pub, as a public beta, when people see the the beta word in in a link, they click it. I don't know why, but it it just like it grabs attention. So I used to have a lot of page views when I, when I used to write about iOS betas during the summer. Maybe I don't get as many page views now because I don't do that stuff. I get page views in other ways, so everything's good. I feel better with myself. Um, I, get to ge- I get to be comfortable with my soul. And I, and <laughs> so I got that going for me. And yeah, everything's good. And I prefer to leave my WWDC ticket to, to, to the kid who's just learning iOS development or to, you know, the guy who's making an app and really wants to talk to to an Apple engineer at a lab. So Yeah, no, I totally on the same page. Um and it's, you know, credit to Apple where credit is due. They they're doing such a, a better job with the video stuff. Even if you are a developer and you can't go, like yes, there is huge benefit to being there. The lab sessions, you can go up and ask an engineer a question about the API they wrote. That is extremely valuable. But for the besides that, the videos cover so much of the so you know, so much of what's done in the sessions. Yeah. It it's almost it's almost like being there. So Yeah, and you get the videos, you get the slides, and sometimes you get the files if they show like a file on stage. So you get a lot of stuff, and in the past, like last year, you used to get the videos. Uh, I wouldn't say on the same day, but like like the day before, like it was yeah. an insane fast uh, online schedule. Like it, it was seriously awesome to you know I was at home and just downloading videos and streaming them in the app. It was seriously well done as a as a remote experience. Yeah, um, so. You haven't bought a WWDC ticket, but no, I think you no. are going to buy a T-shirt on the show this week. So yeah, we're going to do this live, right? Yeah. So I'm logging into my bank's website to check on my credit card. Just want to make sure. <laughs> Today we learned Federico's broke. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Thankfully, no. I get to. Uh, I can't leave off my own money. 
I'm lucky enough to, to do that. Should we explain so, what Federico's doing right now? Please, Mike, while I double check on my two-factor authentication thing. Okay, this is great. <laughs> so um, we have uh, this week put onto the internet for sale for your consideration a t-shirt for the prompt the world's greatest t-shirt it is a black t-shirt we have a male and female version we have a men and women's version uh, the men's is on a canvas ring spun t-shirt and the women's is on a Hanes 4.5 ounce nano t i don't really know what that means but there you go they're good quality t-shirts with uh, teespring are going to be fulfilling the order on this uh, we had a goal to sell 40 t-shirts which we have uh, the awesome people that follow us on twitter will have found out about this on monday and we've surpassed that goal so if you buy a t-shirt from teespring.com slash the prompt then you will definitely have one fulfilled and um, we have one week and five days left to buy so if you make a if you put your order in in the next just under two weeks um i believe it expires on monday the 28th, I'm going to say, is the last day that you're able to buy t-shirts. Um, they will definitely, you will definitely be shipped to you. They're $24 for men's, $24.50 uh, for women's, um, and then there's shipping uh, differentiates depending on where you are in the world. The t-shirt says black, and it, we have on the front technology should be colourful with a lovely rainbow, uh, the prompt rainbow, with an asterisk on the back to spell colourful correctly on the back. With a U, as it well, should correctly, be. Correctly, correctly is a matter of perspective. It's uh, the language is English, so just putting it, putting it out <laughs> Which there. Which is why it's funny. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, guys, I I am ready. Okay. I am okay. on the Teespring uh, webpage, and uh, right now we have sold sixty-eight T-shirts. So I am going to purchase number sixty-nine. And, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> yes. So um, thank you, Mister Vitici. So I'm going Reporting to click, live I'm going to, I'm doing this live, I'm e clicking buy now, and I want to buy one t-shirt for me, so that's $24, and I'm going to check out with my card, and uh, this is pretty, this is a nice website, guys, we picked a nice website, uh, my full name, that would be Federico... So I would like to, to thank our friend at Forgotten Tao on Twitter, also goes by the name Frank Towers, for the work that he did in putting the design together for us. Thank you very much, Frank. We really appreciate the work that you've done um, in getting this lovely logo on the shirt. looks fantastic. How are you getting on over there, Federico? I'm almost done. I'm putting in my credit card. Could you just read the number out on air, please, to so make sure um, we get it correct? Yeah, I thought about that, and then I realized that it's probably not a good idea. No, um, that means I can make sure that the order goes through for you. That doesn't sound right. No, it's um, definitely correct. That's how, that's how e-commerce works. Ask Matt, he knows. So, uh, Only one? Yeah. Only one shirt, huh? They want an email address. We'll put your email address um, in then. <laughs> yeah, it's public anyway. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I feel the... So uh, let's see, in Italy... Uh, wow, that's not a lot of shipping. It's just like less than $4. Oh, that's awesome. It, yeah, the, okay. the shipping seems to differ country to country. I mean, Okay, I, so I to Italy, it's basically $4. Yeah. It nice. can go, it can, I, I found for international shipping, it can be anywhere from like 4 to $10. Okay, um, so I feel the thrill. I'm clicking place your order, which I just did. Oh, it says that I need to verify my address. Um, <laughs> um, Federico, have you ever bought anything on the internet before? No, no, no. I got it. I got it. Okay, uh, great. 
the problem was the Safari auto fail. So oh. thank you, Apple. Um, Ruining something again. And there it goes. I think it's loading. And thank you. Yes, I just Yay. bought my own T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> and I got a nice success page. It says, "Woohoo! Uh, you just bought." <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> Oh, I just, just refreshed. Just, it says 59 sold. Woohoo! You just bought a the world's greatest t-shirt. <laughs> um, I can save it to Pinterest. I can tweet it or I can share it on Facebook. And do all there's of my name. There's, do all <laughs> I just got to do all of them. <laughs> and uh, so, pin, yeah, pin, it looks tweet nice. And like. um, the, we have tried to schedule this campaign. So anybody that buys, no matter where you are in the world, if you are going to WWDC, you will be able to wear the world's greatest T-shirt. And I would just like to say, if you are going to San Francisco and me and Stephen see you in the street with one of these T-shirts on, then you will receive a special prize of subscription. Oh, nice. <laughs> what? Nice. So can I just point a out key card I mean, to our I mean, hotel room? <laughs> <laughs> so guys, two things. Uh, the first one is uh, to our dear listeners: please buy a T-shirt, uh, make us happy, and w- we won't get rich, but we will get rich in happiness. Yeah. And the second point, uh, I just noticed that uh, the reason why the the, the buy page uh, failed is it was because Safari. Uh, out of field my information and when it put like the the province uh, for Viterbo it's VT uh, like the two letters mm-hmm. it didn't change the country to Italy so it was stuck on United States right which and, VT is Vermont okay yeah so that's a problem which is and, a state uh, and uh, so yeah that's a nice bug you got there Apple uh, maybe it's a tree spring problem I don't know but anyway it's PayPal right I think it's uh, Cortana. Uh, I think it's Jonathan Ive. Yes, definitely Jonathan Ive. So, yeah, I ju- but, you know, just click the drop down, make sure the country is correct. The t shirt is awesome. We like to think that we are awesome. So, eh. you know what to do. We're okay. Uh, so the, the topic, we really have one big topic this week uh, now that we're yes. like 19 hours into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Federico, you brought this idea to us, and it's really great. And it's um, uh, about software boredom um, yeah. and feature sets. So you, you've kind of written a thesis. Uh, do you want to share that with us? Yeah, this is... Um, this is actually labeled in our doc as thesis. It's, this isn't something <laughs> yes. that Stephen just said. Federico yes. has written thesis, and th- this is a thesis. Yes, because when I was in high school, uh, our uh, Italian literature teacher used to used to tell us that we should start essays with with a thesis because that that was what the romans used to do uh so anyway um i wanted to talk to you guys to you guys about the way that we use software so apps and operating systems and maybe the way that we as human beings tend to get bored with software just like any other object or situation or uh, everything else in our lives, we, we we tend to crave new. We we tend to get maybe with software, with apps on uh, on our phones, on our computers. Do we tend to get bored with with software that doesn't change for 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 a while? Do we do we want to 
do we do we always tend to want more to want new to want new designs to want new features to want uh, an app that does more because we always want more we want we want an app that does everything but we also want it to keep it simple so is is that an impossible desire uh, when it comes to software design and do you guys think that maybe after the app store in, in the past five years do you think that it's become maybe a trend to to want constant iteration to want yeah. developers to always be working on something new because an app that works but doesn't change you get the you know the strange feeling oh what's going on with this guy why why is this guy not updating his app is the app dead we always tend to want the new the, the new app that comes around and it's much better than everything else and uh so yeah i sometimes i think about this and uh, and uh, and i wonder is it possible that maybe there's a uh, this kind of software boredom that, that we get bored and we want to try new experiences just like in life we want to try new experiences we want to listen to new to new music we want to go to you know to new restaurants we want to go to new countries and um on the other hand uh when I think about this, and uh, and and I, and I also wonder, is this just a, a problem that we have as geeks, we have as people who make a living, as me, to basically write about apps and and operating system, or maybe in not necessarily only if you have a blog, if you have a website, if you're just interested in technology, is it normal to for us? To, to want to try new things, or maybe normal people, on the other hand, don't care. And also, as a counter-argument to what I was saying, is there a case for some apps that don't change often, that basically stay the same for years? And I'm maybe talking about BBEdit, or MarsEdit, or TweetBot for Mac. They receive some features, little additions, every once in a while, but fundamentally, they stay the same. I mean, BB Edit has gained so many features over the years, but it's it's not a quick pace of updates. It's a very stable, powerful software that doesn't change and that has become so part of our workflows um, that we don't want it to change. So I see sometimes this tension between us wanting always new apps, always more, always new features, but on the other hand, we also want simplicity. When an app gets too complicated, we, we say, oh, okay, I wanted this app to be more powerful, but now it's too much. And also, for some apps, we tend to say, no, you know, this app, I never wanted to change because it works, because it works for me and I don't want to learn new things. And I see this tension, right? Because as humans, we, and as geeks especially, uh, we tend to want more, more features, new designs, change. But then what happens when an app changes? And, and now I want to know if I'm crazy and if you guys feel the same, if you think that it's just a geek problem. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, I think, a, a, I think you're absolutely right. I see that in my own just usage there's apps on my dock that have been there you know since college since high school you know five ten years of of continuous um continuous usage or you know things that i come back to you know i might use something for a long time and then go wander off but always come back to it 
Uh, for me, a big example of that is OmniFocus um, that I'm sort of back on now. Uh, but at the same time, like there'll be things that I might use for just a short period of time or might really experiment with and kind of like go like deep dive into and then three months later come up for air. Um, and Mike, you know, I think, I think the point that you put in the notes definitely kind of ties in with that. So I think that there's a, do you mean like the tinkering thing? Yes. So I think that, that we as nerds love to be able to tinker and, and like, so a new uh, to-do list app comes out and we just want to try it out to see if it's any better than the one that we've already got. Or there's like a new Twitter client. I remember, I, I don't think I was alone in that before like uh, Tweetbot and maybe even before Tweety or while Tweety was in its early days, every new Twitter app that would come out and there were lots of them, we'd try them all. Like, you know, we wanted to go in and just try the, every single one of them. Oh, I wonder if this one's any better. I wonder what it does. And I think that um, this idea, like, of us just trying out the new thing comes from, like, an inherent desire that we all have to, like, to, to be better or work better or do more. So, like, well, maybe this app will solve all of my problems that I've been having with my workflow. And now I will be unstoppable in the amount of work that I can put out into the world because X application has come and it has fixed all of the issues that I have with my current app. So, I think so would, you, would you say, Mike, that it's because as humans we are always curious to try new things. I think so. I think that we, yeah, there is definitely a curiosity there, and that curiosity also lends to the, the fact that if we find something that makes us more productive, then awesome, because it means we have more time to do the things that we enjoy, and or we become better at the stuff that we like to do. So how do you guys think that software developers, app makers, or, or even Apple that makes an entire OS... Uh, how do you balance this? I mean, you, you have to make apps that are usable, that are simple enough for people to get right away. Uh, apps that don't require uh, insane hours of learning. Uh, how do you balance this, you know, the, the, the need for simplicity with the fact that people, after a while, want new, want more? And, uh, yeah. can, you, and can you guys think of, of, of examples of apps that over the years have um, balanced uh, this tension pretty well. Yeah, I think, I mean, just looking at Apple's first-party apps, so the, the, the apps that run on top of OS X or iOS that Apple makes, um, I think you definitely see their struggle with that. And you see on one hand, you look at something like iPhoto, which, um, at least in my opinion, I think in the opinion of a lot of people, has become really bloated over the years. You have albums, events, faces, places, all these ways to organize photos that overlap in weird ways and don't always make sense. And I just, I know so many people like in the real world that are just overwhelmed uh, with the organizational mm -hmm. options in iPhoto. But then you have at the other end, uh, you have something like when Final Cut Pro 10 was uh, announced and released a couple years ago. Uh, what was a very powerful app, but made for power users Apple really stripped back, and we saw that more recently with iWork. And they, they've gone back in and have added um, features as time goes on. And today, Final Cut Pro 10 does basically all the things that the old Final Cut did. And the new iWork does a lot of what the old iWork did. But it, it's taken them a while to get there. And we have spoken at length about, you know, maybe 
Apple's development uh, teams are not as big as they should be or they, they need more horsepower. But I think at least part of it is Apple is trying to simplify things and they sort of begrudgingly add things back when they, when they get called on it. And so I think on the whole, Apple wants to simplify things um, for their users and they want to offer software that is um, as simple to use as possible while trying like not to make the power users too angry and they end up always going back on it which isn't isn't great either so my theory and this ties up pretty well with, the, with what you were you were saying Stephen is that when it comes to work related apps or or workflows um, people tend to be very conservative about the apps that they use. So if I'm, um, for instance, if I'm a writer and I write uh, books for a living and, and I'm using Pages and I'm pretty comfortable with Pages, it's got its quirks and it's got it, its problems, but you know, I can get my work done in Pages and I don't want more. I don't want to change. I always want this app to keep working and if Apple can make fixes, that, that would be awesome. And now Apple comes in and says, okay, look, uh, we made a new Pages app. It's got less features, but we, we value simplicity. And uh, as a user who relies on the program to get work done, I don't want simplicity, I want more. But it's not that I want more, I want what I used to have. And I want it to keep working forever. So that was my counter-argument when I, uh, a few minutes ago. For some kinds of apps... I do believe that normal people or even geeks or just, it's just, there's no difference in the kind of user that you are. If you rely on an app for work purposes, uh, you always want that app to keep working the same way. You don't want to learn new things. You don't want, you don't want to be curious about other stuff. You just need to get work done. And I believe that the curiosity aspect that Mike was talking about applies better to you know, to-do to do list apps, simple utilities, and maybe weather apps, calendar apps. Um, and even in that case, it really depends. Because if you, are a if you manage a team of people, like a large team of people, you don't want to try <laughs> new to-do list apps every week. Right. You have, you, yeah, you know, and, or I don't know, if you manage uh, geez, uh, a TV program, uh, you don't want to try a new calendar app every week because you depend on the calendar. You depend on the schedule. And so it really depends. And, 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 and I think that as geeks, uh, we enjoy trying simple utilities, you know, often. And um, for me, it's really difficult to... Especially when developers ask me, um, should I add this feature? It's always hard to answer that question because I do believe that there's a... It's a very thin line that you walk when you want to balance the way that people use your app and the way that people want more, but also want to keep using your app uh, and the way that you add con continuously features and, and, you know, little tweaks. So uh, a nice example um, on my Mac is this app called Clip Menu which is an app that basically hasn't changed for five years. Uh, clip Menu is a, is a little utility that gives you your clipboard history. 
with a keyboard shortcut, it opens a contextual menu. It can hold up to, I don't know, I keep like a hundred clipboard items. So whenever I want to copy again an item that I copied, I don't know, two hours ago, I open clip menu. And I've been using clip menu since Leopard, basically. Uh, it never changed. It never got an update. Every time I do a fresh install of OS X, I install clip clip menu, which isn't even code signed for, uh, you know, modern OS X. I just trust the guy because it's been working for five years. And, and that's an example of an app that never changed, never got more. It always worked the same. It just does what I need because it's the big, uh, like, there are a lot of fancy clipboard managers on the App Store. I just want the basic simplicity of clip menu because it, it shows a native contextual menu and I don't need anything else. And on the other hand, um, I, I do use something like editorial, which is about to get a massive 1.1 update, uh, which adds a lot of new things. Some of those that I, that I personally requested. And so am I contradicting myself? Because on, uh, am I, I'm using clip menu, which hasn't changed for, since Leopard. And I'm also using apps that change all the time. And for a living, I, I always try new apps and I want more and I want my, app, my apps to get better. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to come up with a single basic conclusion. Yeah, I, feel, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about how do I feel about these things. And yeah. I, I feel like I, I go back and forth a lot in my head as to, to how am I as a user. Like, because I like to, to, to have... Um, new things and to see my apps do new things but I think apps that I'm used to using on like a daily basis or like that are like my home screen apps the only things that I really want to see them change is to change with the times of the OS Mm -hmm, so like to get an iOS 7 redesign to use background processing that sort of stuff but not to necessarily completely overhaul the way that they work because then that will disrupt the way that I use the application but on the same vein, I'm always willing to try out new things in the same category. So like a to-do list manager, I'm happy to try them out. But for, for, for me to then want to switch, it has to do everything that I like about my current app plus the new stuff. You know, like when we were talking about um, using... check what What's the name of the, the to-do list manager that we... Checkmark. Checkmark yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Using checkmark instead of OmniFocus, I wanted to see if I could do it, but I couldn't do it because there were certain things that it did that I wasn't happy with and didn't work in the same way for me. So I stuck with where I was. But if um, if now like tomorrow, OmniFocus is completely changed as an application in the way that I use it, then I'm not necessarily going to be that happy about it you know does that make sense like so there's i feel like there's a certain balance and it it's difficult for me to try and say which side of the fence that i fall on because i feel that depending on the app and the circumstances depends on whether i want to see something new or to see something uh to, to stay exactly the same yeah so i agree completely and even i've tried to you know to to reach a single unifying conclusion and I just can't. And so I guess the best way, the, the best that I can do is to, if it's of any value, to just offer advice. Um, I talk to a lot of developers and because they, they, they send me emails, they say, yeah, you know, I, I made an app, do you want to try it? And sure, uh, I, I always want to try apps. And 
maybe my perspective is influenced by the fact that you know my website needs content and content for me is apps and news so um there's always the point in an app's life if it's moderately successful when a developer realizes oh i should be adding features for advanced users so that's always a problem right because uh, because you've made a simple you've made a simple enough app it gets the job done it's elegant it looks nice it's been pretty successful on the app store too and now you've got the advanced users uh, so what do you do and my general suggestion is always to implement advanced features only if they don't interfere with the with the main core experience of the app and i have examples uh, fantastical for instance uh, fantastical one could only display calendar events and create calendar events right and with version two they added reminders so you could say oh big deal it's going to completely change the app in fact uh, it doesn't because uh, the way that you create reminders is the same way as before they're always based on natural language only now you say remind me to or to do and reminders are displayed alongside calendar events there's no special view so maybe maybe you don't like that maybe you do but it's it's a major feature addition that doesn't change the app completely a uh, second general example, it would be developers adding support for URL schemes on iOS. The, that clearly falls in the, cate- in the category of more, adding more for advanced users. Uh, URL schemes, sure, they are there and they are quite complex to, you know, to get, uh, to wrap your head around, uh, but they're not uh, exposed to normal users. They're just there if you know you want to use them, just like Apple Script. So if you do want to implement more, and if you believe that the more, that the new feature, advanced feature, is the kind of functionality that most users won't need, and maybe consider, you know, hiding it from the main experience. And uh, I agree with Steven when you say that iPhoto could be an example of uh, the other side of the coin <laughs> doing this wrong. And I would also add iTunes to the list. iTunes yeah, for Mac. Yes, yes. And I would also <laughs> say that Evernote, um, mm. for many people, it's become complicated. And um, Even they have said that, right? Yes. Uh, they've said that, that they want to clean up the experience. And, and I can see why. I mean, um, maybe... Um, you know, I, I I rely on Evernote for a lot of things. Maybe it doesn't bother me, but as a new user, I can see why it could be intimidating to to see like the toolbars with all the buttons and the menus and a bunch of options for presentations and reminders and sharing and notebooks and tags and searches. It's a lot of of stuff. Yeah, and I, I, I think Evernote is definitely an example that's sort of gone off the rails a little bit, and it's. It's hard, right? Like, if you're a developer and you want to grow market share, uh, you can do that a couple of ways. You can um, drive a competitor out of business, right? And we see that pretty often, right? An app comes into a space, blows up, is really successful, and the previous winner kind of goes away. Um, Or you can do it by spreading into more markets. So something like Evernote didn't do reminders, and now it does. Or didn't do presentations, and now it does. And so it kind of becomes the tool that solves more problems. 
The danger, though, is feature creep, right? That you yeah. abandon or not, not even abandon, but you sort of focus on other things and your core thing gets sideways. And, you know, Evernote was at the beginning of this year said, hey, you know, we're going to make the core experience better. Yep. And then, LOL, there's a Pebble app. Who knows what they're doing over there? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, there's real danger. If you start moving out and you're still not focused on that central core, and things start to go bad there and no one notices it can you know you can an app can collapse under its own weight like that you think of something like uh Microsoft Office which obviously has not collapsed under its own weight still extre- extremely successful business but you look at like what word did like um like you know Microsoft uh, Word like 5.1 on the Mac was like you know the best version of word ever shipped and then the next version after that was really miserable because it added all this stuff just Tons of stuff, and uh, it's sort of you know I always worry when a when an app uh, or a service you know there's an update and it's like oh we do these nine other new things and it's like this kind of goes back into what we were talking about last week about how companies are creating new applications rather than adding features to their existing core app. You know, but don't you don't you get the opposite feeling when you when like you don't see updates for a while, and you you go like, is this company still alive? Are they doing Are they doing anything? Yeah, so that's and what I mean. Like you, you feel I well at least me anyway. I feel like I have to at least want to see. If I use an app a lot, if I use it, if it's quite important to me, I would like to at least see the the company stay up to date with new functionality in the operating system. Right. If you don't see that, then I get concerned. But what if you don't need? I mean, what if you don't need to to implement background downloads on iOS? What if? Because I think that there's a general like um, like people tend to be skeptical just on principle for apps that don't change, and and I, and, and maybe that's because the apps are like changed the way that we think about software and especially software updates. Yeah, because that's true. Because maybe uh, like like when software used to come on CD-ROMs with magazines and stuff, and Stephen, maybe you remember these. Come on, things. I do, I do. Remember <laughs> uh, okay, no, I also remember that. So maybe when software used to to come on, you know, magazines and, and uh, like CDs and stuff, um, you didn't, you usually didn't get up free updates and. Uh, you know, you got the program, and that was the program. You, yeah. you were done. You were done, unless uh, the developer uh, released another version years later. You were going to get that version, and maybe the, there was going to be an upgrade. Now with the App Store, people just expect to always be getting updates. But right, other, which is other other times, it's like when 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 you say, Stephen, uh, oh. Uh, now they added all these features. Oh my god! Has it gotten more difficult to use? And so there's always this, this tension, you know, and and it's difficult to balance. It's difficult as a user, and and I cannot imagine how difficult it can be as a developer. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, what do you do? Like you, if you need to charge for an update, like do you shove more stuff in it to make it more appealing to someone who is used to free updates? Like it's. It's sort of a circular problem, and and one that I definitely don't envy as a as a non developer. But it, it does make me wonder. You know, you look at these apps that sort of uh, implode or get washed away by a competitor or something. Like, it's a very fluid market, especially in the app store. Like, you know, 
I mean, we've we've all seen apps like uh, you know that we used for a long time get replaced by something new that becomes you know an overnight success. And so I, I definitely see why developers spend time thinking about this and and do try to diversify and add features to help keep people uh, in their user user base. Yeah, and, and that's there's also uh, another question for me, and that would be maybe we should try to enjoy software more without always ex- be expecting updates and new stuff and and more in general like if an app works why and i mean maybe i i should be excluding myself from this conversation and but i just i i want to talk about it and if an app works why why the need to 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 be expecting an update i mean i can get i, I get why when Mike says uh, it should be getting major OS updates and bug fixes, and that makes sense, but maybe with the App Store, and you know, an app is just a click away, uh, it kind of rewired our brains to to always be on the lookout for new stuff, whereas maybe we we, we don't even need new stuff. You know, it's just it's become for many like a compulsive thing to do to just be downloading apps and okay this app is better and the next week okay this app is actually much better and you know i can see why it could be a problem and so i don't know guys it's just it's difficult to to come up with a like i said with with a single conclusion and in general i've been trying to like if i buy an app i buy it for the feature set that it's got now i try not to imagine how it's it could be better down the road uh, of course many times i do wish uh like oh man i wish this app could i don't know browse the web with 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 an integrated web browser or other times i wish there was an ipad version and but in general i tend to judge an app by what i have now and i tend to really if, if i buy an app for ten dollars i really want to try and to 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 make sure that I use it. Just, you know, I don't want to buy apps just because, oh, I'm bored, I want to buy an app. No, <laughs> I tend to buy an app because I need it and because I know I'm going to really use it on a daily basis. And and now that sounds silly, but I know so many people who like, um, when when I go out with my friends, they like, they take out their iPhones and they're like, so can you tell me some new apps? It's, it, it's, it's become like a conversation piece, you know? Spoiler yeah, madman. Not to be that guy, Federico. <laughs> but isn't isn't your website based on that? Like isn't it based on the idea See, that that's people my are problem. for new apps? Yes, that's exactly the problem. <laughs> I'm basically talking about, about the way that I work. Um Are you are you the problem or the solution? I'm both. <laughs> I, I think I'm both because because uh, don't get me wrong, uh, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be new apps, but there's also the thing that we make stories. I do, and we do try to be very selective yeah. with the way that we cut. Co- like, we, uh, uh, first we we can't cover every app, but we also don't want to cover every app because it just you know it's if if you try to cover so many apps, then it feels like there you basically recommend everything. And another thing of mine is that I don't want to 
to write about apps that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So cool. it's like being for, the way I see it myself. It's I I, I tend to to think about it as a as a movie critic like you watch a lot of movies and it's not like people can can see all the movies in this world right and but maybe you can offer your professional opinion about about them so if you're looking for this app i wrote about it if you're looking for this other app i also wrote about it <laughs> and um so yeah i'm 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 part of the problem myself because i'm recommending new apps what I'm just trying to say is that if you buy an app, use it for, you know, try to enjoy it. And if you don't need a new app, you don't need to, you don't need to go to the app store and buy a new app just to kill some time. Because it's not good for you, I guess. <laughs> and it's not good for the developer because you're 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 getting an app here and you're not really using it. So, you know, it maybe I don't know. I don't know, guys. I just, feel like this is there, one of those things s- where we're trying to all work out how we feel on this, and and that's that's sometimes this is I like, feel this it's is a good, like, good discussion. This is like therapy, yeah, right. But this is also <laughs> one of those things where I think we will actually get more out of this by having this conversation because I'm sure that it will prompt people, no mm. pun intended, mm. to to oh, to, try, nice, to open Mike. this discussion with us. And there's a few ways that you can do it. So. Um, for long feedback, you should get. You should send us an email. Go to five by five tv slash prompt and hit the contact button, and you can tweet at us. We're at underscore the prompt, and of course, we're all uh, individually on Twitter. I am I Mike I M Y K E. Federico is at V I T I C C I, and Stephen is at I S M H. I think that's it's important to to have these conversations. I think because it's one, it's it's interesting, but two, by having them out in the open like this whilst we're still forming our opinions, it helps because you can hear our thought processes and then we can get everybody else involved in the conversation too because that's the type of uh, entertainment that we do. It's important. So that about does it for this week's episode of The Prompt. If you'd like to catch Stephen's writing, go to 512pixels.net and if you'd like to catch Federico's, go to maxstories.net. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. If you want to find the show notes, they are at 5by5.tv slash prompt slash 44. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.